Keeping it real on cliffcentral.com. I'm Sharon Dale. I'm here with my co-host, Jonathan Sinclair. And we've got such a jam-packed show today, John. I don't know how we're going to fit yes, everything in, but we will. Yes, it's going to be a busy one. It's going to be time constraints, but we really want to get through everyone. Yes, so, so we're strictly on a 20-minute, 20-minute yes. budget here. Yeah, we, we have to become very strict with our time now and discipline ourselves because sometimes we just want to carry on talking. Yes. For I know, there's so much to say. So mm. I think we've got to get into it today. We're yes. first going to speak to Ainsley Hayes from NSPCA as a follow-up to that Jagamara Predator Park story with that man. And phoned in last week, which was quite, yeah, that well, was quite yeah, emotional. Let's just do a recap. Uh, last week, Justin uh, Fernandez mm. was supposed to be on a show. He's from the Jagamoro Predator Park. Um, and he wanted to speak to us about what was going on with his court case and what was happening mm. with people trying to take his tigers. But uh, landed up on his way here, he had to return back because the people came to claim his tigers. Right. And there was and a lot of drama. And darted and one was shot. And we, well, we're going to find out. Get, I mean, the we're going to get to was, the bottom of the truth. Yeah, he was in tears. He could mm. barely speak and he was stuck on the road. So Ainsley Hayes is here from the NSPCA. Welcome, Ainsley. Thanks for coming in today because we, we really want to know more about this. Thanks for having me back on the show. I know it's only a pleasure. So, Angie, what we got uh, when the man phoned in was that this is some kind of legal dispute with the land. Uh, what do you call it? So they've gone under, apparently. Someone's claiming the land back and went in there and darted. And I'm not sure shot. Can you tell us more? Um, unfortunately, this has been a, it's been an ongoing um, matter that we have been aware of sort of from the outside. There have been huge legal battles going on. And unfortunately, what happened has happened is, as you say, there have been financial difficulties. Mm. And what we've established is that, um, unfortunately, the company that owns the animals and the the, the reserve and the park and that has been liquidated. Oh. So... Um, this has been a very long legal battle and there's a huge fights from both sides. Unfortunately, not a lot of, um, sort of solid facts have been yes. provided, yeah. especially yes. in the media. And there's been mm. a lot of emotions and understandably, cause these are live animals after all. Sure. But unfortunately, there's been a lot of hysteria and in, um, sort of, I think, unfortunately, intended hysteria being drummed up. Um, mm. No animals were shot, um, as you say. People oh, did, really? So yes. none of them were shot? No. Okay. People did arrive to dart the animals and remove the animals to take them to a new um, a new owner. Um, the the, the legality, legality of this removal is now being debated, um, and that will go through the courts, and that's mm-hmm. for the owners and the new owners to fight it out legally. Um, but, you know, the, initially there were reports that the tigers had been shot and mm-hmm. one was dead and all of yeah. this, but no, the animals were darted. By a veterinarian, um, um, from what we've established, if there are queries as to the veterinarian's credibilities or professionalism, that must be reported to the African Veterinary Council. But the animals were darted. They were placed into um, transport containers, and then the trucks were actually stopped from leaving the premises. Okay. So this is where we now have cruelty problems because those animals were confined to very small Suitable transport containers mm. But they were not allowed to leave the property And that actually carried on until the next day So those animals oh, were right. confined unnecessarily So we've asked the witnesses to actually Liaise with the SAPS and to look into um, Whether they can lay charges or not Because um you know, it's been very difficult to get to the bottom and I think in the weeks coming there is going to be a lot more other information that does surface. So yes. mm-hmm. but for now the animals are back on the farm. Oh, so they're back there. Back mm-hmm. in their their, right. their cages and they are being cared for by the Fernandes. Okay. Mm-hmm. But by the people that mm-hmm. but but now what cons- as you said, there was a lot on social mm-hmm. media, hysteria, mm-hmm. mass hysteria. A lot of news organizations. A lot of news organizations. Mm-hmm. I think we were the first people to kind of was yeah. breaking yeah. news, of yeah. Course. And we were kind of looking at each other going, what do you do? What do you do? But um, there was a lot of people saying that 
this group that came and darted them were involved in canned mm. hunting, which immediately put my heckles mm. up. Um, is was that something that is true? Or There's no facts. No facts proving about that. It. Um, I think, okay. unfortunately, when it comes to any involvement with captive predators in this country, that's the first conclusion people jump to, and understandably. Sure. understandably. But that's also to be said. You know, if people are buying baby lions and baby tigers from mm-hmm. places, they're also supporting the industry. So mm-hmm. there's there's more than one side to the story. But yes. from what we've received, is there's no facts. Um, from we've spoken to the government officials involved, and they the information that we've received it looked like um, there were there is certain paperwork that was in place. But this is not um, the legality of that is not up within our mandate to right. investigate. But Andy, Andy, that's so sad because I mean, what are the laws? I mean, these are animals mm. they're seen as. Commodities, they're seen as mm, assets. Yeah. You know, these are lives. Mm. And what, how does the law stand on something like that if something or a, a game park mm. is in liquidation? What happens to the animals? It's a huge problem. And I think one of the biggest problems is that our government doesn't um, take this into consideration when they give permits to people to keep mm. wild animals or to run game farms. And especially in this financial climate, we're seeing it time and time again, and it's increasing. People have these great ideas and these great visions of starting this predator park or starting this game reserve, and then they don't realize the finances involved. They get, come into financial difficulties, and then yes. they go under. And then the, the property or the business is liquidated. And unfortunately, mm. in terms of the law, they are assets, albeit yes. a boat, a chair, a house, a lion, an elephant, right. they are attached. So right. it's very important if you're an individual or an organization that is going through financial difficulties and you have live animals that are that you are responsible for and you know that this is going to, there's, there's a chance something may happen. Please speak to the authorities. Please speak to ourselves or the local SPCA and just say, I'm worried this could happen. What can I do? Yes. Because with all the liquidators we've dealt with, when we've explained to them that if the property is liquidated and the animals are attached to, and you're, you're in charge of them, in terms of the law, we will prosecute you. Oh, for right. the cruelty. So, right. so okay. the, the definition of owner extends to the liquidator, the new owner, even if the yes. new owner may not be on the property. If you now legally own the animals, you're responsible for them. So even but if it's we, a bank, exactly, the bank when becomes ex- responsible. Exactly. But mm. when we explain to it, then they, then they, we've had very good um, co- cooperation in terms of that. So if you know something funny may happen or you're worried, please speak, don't leave it to the last minute. No, sure. Mm. No, sure, because these are lives. I mean, and that mm. is a worry, as you say. You hear of so many of these parks mm-hmm. going under mm-hmm. and where do these animals go? So, so if they speak to NSPCA, do you have a place for them to go? Into? No, we can no. we can offer advice, and that's it. We don't have um, sanctuaries ourselves. We aren't involved. All of the bona fide sanctuaries in this country are full. Are full. You know, predator sanctuaries because there's so anim- so many animals that need rescuing, and these mm. are also you know true rescues when you've got lions that yeah. have been stuck in a circus cage all of their life, or they've been bred to you know mm-hmm. to their last mm. you know mm. their last. <laughs> ounce of their health these animals also need rescuing not yeah. just you know someone had a pet a pet mm-hmm. animal and now they ran out of money and now that mm-hmm. animal needs rescuing as well you know people need to take responsibility if you mm-hmm. take on any animal you need to show, make sure you have the knowledge the finances the experience and the facilities to care for that animal for the rest of for its life for the rest life. of its life mm-hmm. absolutely it's mm-hmm. a commitment you have to make mm-hmm. uh, you know the Jagamoro Park I think they had the best intentions when they yes. got the cats and although you know you can debate should we keep wild animals as pets and stuff mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day they do love those cats and mm. they do feel yeah, a real big obvious, attachment yeah. and mm. he was so devastated when they came to take his cats mm. because mainly he didn't know where they were taking mm. them mm. and uh, you know I see it from his point of view but then at the side of it on the other side, we can't just put the law aside mm-hmm. and, mm. and say. I really felt for him. You could see yeah. even that the videos mm. that he posted. Well, they were so I could real and so raw. How it must mm. have felt to to yeah. see your 
your babies that you're mm. caring for. But I mean, this is the sad part, Ainsley, is that the breeding again, mm-hmm. you know, these, we talk about dog and cat backyard breeding mm. and all the rest. But, but the lion tiger breeding, a lot mm. of them go into canned lion yep. hunting. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's the sad reality. Mm. And even, you know, well-meaning people who now want these animals, if you buy them, mm. you're also supporting the industry. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same as saying, oh, well, I, the problem is that the word rescue and saved is thrown around quite mm. loosely. And yes, you may be rescuing that individual from a bad situation, but you are condemning how many more in its place. It's sure. like saying, I want to close a pet shop down by going and buying all the animals. Mm. <laughs> well, mm. guess what, sweetheart? Mm. Next day, they're going to have even more because yes. you're just creating business. That's yeah. true. Mm. That's very, very true that applies to all animals mm. is you've got to stop it somewhere mm. before but on this property i believe there were bengal tigers mm. lions uh, timber wolves mm-hmm. a whole lot of animals there so so what is what is happening now is this going to go into a court case yes. in the meantime is there some kind of permission for him to keep it there until the court decides yeah, we don't know the exact of of the of the legal mm. instructions but this matter is still subdued to say so there is going to be further legal actions and from you know i don't know from which side um mm. you know it's it's been very difficult to get to the bottom yes. of exactly Exactly what's going on because this has been a very long drawn out matter. Mm-hmm. But this, um, there's been no final conclusion on the matter. Yes. But for now, the animals are safe. They're back on the farm in the care of their of their um, owners, and the matter is still going through the courts, from what I understand. So we'll just have to wait and see um, what mm. what the and outcome is. I'd imagine is. that would have to have, have to happen pretty quickly because the new owners would obviously want to move on to the yes, property. Yeah. You'd definitely be able to go for urgency on these yes. cases. There must be something said, though, for the public outpouring with mm, this story. Yes. There's been so much reaction to it, and a lot of people are reacting emotively, which mm-hmm. is understandable. They see these big cats, and you see the photos and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but I, I, I don't know. You can't really get involved. Mm-hmm. What can we do? We can only talk about yes. it and, and just hope that the solution mm-hmm. is for the best interests of the tigers and the, the lions and whatever animals. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that people try and get all of the facts. Yes. Um, before, you know, it, and it's very difficult now because now it is sort of limbo for the owners, for the animals, for all the public supporting them, for everyone who's been involved it's in, in this case. It's in the court's hands. Exactly. And there's yeah. not a whole lot that can be done apart from following the proper legal, legal process. Processes. At least the animals are stable for mm. now, and that's the most important thing. And, you know, there's a lot of attention now, so any any further movements or mm. actions with the animals will be closely monitored, and people are aware of this yes. now. And you're quite right, John. I mean, the the emotion on Facebook, the social media no. platform just went crazy. I mean, mm-hmm. there were people no. from all over the world saying, how no. can we help? What can mm-hmm. we do? I think there was a donation sort of account set yes. up, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. do you get a lot of this? A lot of these parks closing? Um, it's increasing. It is really? definitely increasing. Some people do make plans prior, which is what we encourage. You know, if you know that your animals are going to be attached, you can, there, there's, there's wiggle room, especially when it comes to live animals. You can appeal to people's better natures mm. or make, make certain agreements. Say, you know, if you're going to attach the animals, the condition is that they have to go here or they have to be treated yeah. in this sort of way. But yes, yes. unfortunately, we are seeing it increase all the time. And, and I think also one of the biggest problems is that people are given permits without having to prove that they actually know mm, what they're doing, mm. that they have the funding and all of that. Mm. You know, when we do our inspections, it's one of the first things you ask. Okay, so you've started a sanctuary. Let us see your finances. Mm. Let us see Can a trust. You it? Do you yes. have a trust set up? If you yes. pass away, who's going to look after this animal? Right. But the, the government officials that issue these permits don't, don't, they don't even, um, investigate that. It's like, okay, you want a permit? Pay X amount and here's your permit. And there's no, re- no, there's no follow up. And also then when things like this happen, it's not the government who steps in to help. 
No, they just sit no. back and go, oh, okay. Mm, they got enough on their plate to deal with with humans. Yeah. I think it's left <laughs> yes, up to yeah. you guys to. But yeah. Auntie, can you not? Are you working with government to try and change laws to get to permits? Mm. I I believe that permits should be issued to keep any animal, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> whether it's a dog or a cat or an exotic no. animal, you should have okay. a permit. A huge, a huge part of our daily work is engaging with government to take forward because you know we we see this on the ground. We're mm. the ones who do the inspections. We get the calls. You're there picking happens. up the pieces. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. we do try and get these points across and try and influence legislation changes. Unfortunately, too limited success so far. Because these lion petting, let's call them mm-hmm. petting parks, mm-hmm. they obviously have to have a continual source mm-hmm. of baby lions mm-hmm. to be yeah. petted mm-hmm. by the public who mm-hmm. are paying to do that. What happens to them then? Exactly. Once they've grown up. Enzi, you, you mentioned something earlier that these predators that are born in captivity, their final destination usually is canned hunting. It's either breeding or hunting. You know, mm. it's very rare. Um, that's the main industry. And the thing is, it's, it's such an easy industry to launder animals through because mm. you've got so many different role plays. You've got the mm. hunting farms, you've got the breeding farms, you've got the petting farms, you've got the circuses, you've got the private pet owners. So these animals are all just in this sort of it's whirlpool so of going all around. But it's, it's, there is absolutely no re- reason apart from profit to breed predators in captivity absolutely. in South Africa. These animals mm. do not and will not go back to the wild. Mm. Mm. Unless it's for conservation reasons or as you say. But with predators, it's, it's been proven time and time again. You have, it, it's better to repopulate wild areas with wild predators because yes. they imprint captive predators have, lose their fear of humans and you can't, you can't release these animals yeah. into the wild. That's what I was going to say. If you get an animal that's been used mm-hmm. in a circus. Mm-hmm. Where does that animal go? That lion can't be thrown into the wild. No, (laughs) it's not going to survive. So it's got to have a place to go. It's either going to land up in a cage somewhere, or shot in hunting. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's a very sad thing. Or exported to zoo. In terms of uh, legislation and stuff, should animals be seen as assets? Like Sharon was saying earlier, this, I mean, you wouldn't, if someone has defaulted on their pavement, on their payments, Mm -hmm. come and take their children away. But you can come and take their animals away, which. It's a huge problem. Leave something to be said about the rights of animals and Mm -hmm. how we view them. Absolutely. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have huge problems with municipal zoos in this country because the municipality sees those animals as assets. Mm -hmm. So if you want to move an animal, you want to sell an animal, you have to go through the same paperwork as to sell a chair. So these Mm -hmm. animals end up sitting in cages for months and months be- just because of paperwork. Mm-hmm. Yes. Ainsley, no, it's, it's just now, now just to close off, how can the public help? People are listening now saying, what can we do? How can we help? I think it also comes down to supporting the NSPCA who mm-hmm. needs the funds mm-hmm. to do the work that they can do. So is that step one? But Donate. Without a doubt. You know, uh, funds, funds are very difficult. We have to cover the entire country. We're the only organization that ta- tackles wild animal welfare and especially we do the inspections at these facilities. We ensure that appropriate standards. Funding is the biggest thing. If you don't have the money, then volunteer. Go to bona fide sanctuaries, bona fide wildlife rehabilitation centers, or SPCAs. Go and volunteer your time. Absolutely. Even make blankets for the animals. There's so much that if each individual person did what they could, it would be a lot easier for all of us. It would make a huge difference. A huge difference. Ainsley, how would they donate? Go on to your website. Our our website has all the details. www.nspca.co.za. Perfect. Guys, please, let's get involved. Let's help and let's see what we can do for these animals. Ainsley, thanks so much for coming in today. Thank and I'm you. sure we're going to get you back in again to follow up on the story. And we'll be right back with Smarach Lowe from Ban Animal Trading. I have a very dramatic announcement. So anyone with a weak heart should leave now. Unreal. Revolution. Revolution. Uncensored. Revolution. Revolution. Unfiltered. Revolution. Revolution.
Revolution. Unchanged. Unadulterated. Unbelievable. This time we've got Smarachta Lowe in studio with us from Ban Animal Trading. Welcome, Smarachta. Thanks for coming back. I know we had you in many months ago. Yes. But today we actually want to talk about Ban Animal Trading, what you guys are doing, and also look at this whole live export story. Yes. That is very – I'm just trying to think our headphones aren't working, John. Okay. I'm going to get Duncan on that. Okay, um, perfect. But yeah, I just this. thought I was going deaf or something was very <laughs> wrong with me. <laughs> That's fine. Smarachta, let's start with, tell us first, what is Ban Animal Trading? Right. What do you do? Okay. Uh, thank you so much for hang, having us again, Sharon. We really appreciate it to get the words out for the animals and the message out that animals are not ours to exploit in any way. Right. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, Ban Animal Trading is an animal rights organization. And we started about two years ago or so um, just to spread the word for all animals out there. So basically, we concentrate on wild animals. We concentrate on pet shops. That's basically yes. how we started. Um, we addressed the fur issue in in a you know a little bit because there's fur free South Africa who actually right. they actually yes. do all of this. Um, then we also look at farm animals and especially the live export trade, which is one of the most vile and cruel trade. In the world And this is the one That's happening now And it's actually It seems to be picking up And this is why We really appreciate this So we can Mm. get the word out Most people in South Africa Don't know That South Africa Is part of the Export Live animal export trade What are we exporting We're exporting Well they call them cattle We Mm. prefer to call them Sentient beings Right But they export cattle Goats um, You know Animals that people Say for example In Mauritius And um I'll tell you about a rumor that is going around as well mm. now, but that people in Mauritius would use to eat. Right. So that is what we are exporting. So it's mostly cattle and goats. Okay. Yeah. And then they're going where? To countries like Mauritius, you say? Yes. Basically, what's, what's happening is the animals that are being exported at the moment mm. go to Mauritius. And it's about a journey of four, five, six days for them on the ship. Then we've heard a rumor. And we need to make sure that this does not happen in any way. And that is that um, the South African government, together with other companies, are planning to export more than a million animals, uh, cattle or whatever, to Indonesia. Now, that is not a oh, journey. That's, that's a long boat trip. That's a long boat trip. That's going to take them about three, four weeks, depending mm. on the size of the ship and, you know, how fast it goes and yes, so yes. on. Um, so that is something that we need to stop immediately because if we don't stop this, we will become like Australia where our economy depends on the export of animals and we cannot let that happen. Right. And I mean, the way that they are exported, it's, it's not very humane, is it? It's not humane at all. You know, most of the animals who come to the harbor, 
they don't come from the farmers in the area only mm. because it's a huge number of animals. So you'll have 2,000, 2,500 animals, 1,500 animals that are loaded onto the ships. They don't come from the farmers in the area. So they are kind of, for want of a better word, imported from other areas. They are travel by road on the cattle trucks. Yes. For so three, four days. Oh, is not no. comfortable. Yeah. For three, four days where they cannot lie down. They cannot sit. They have to stand for three, four days. Then they get to the harbor and on the harbor they are loaded onto the ship immediately. And then they have to go through seasick, you know, the motion sickness yeah, and whatever. Sure. And be, what are they in? Cages? Um, it's kind of a, yeah, it's not really like a cage. A it's like, no, it's not even a crate. It's kind of an open area. And sometimes they'll have hay or whatever for them there. Um, and it's just a, a section that's kind of partitioned off, you know, with steel bars and, and they're whatever. all together. They're, most of them are together. So, some of the time, or most of the time, those animals can't lie down altogether. Mm. Right. You know, there's right. not enough space yes. for them to lie all down together. But the time, by the time they're loaded onto those ships, those animals are exhausted already and very stressed. Yes, and they call them downers. So those are the animals that cannot actually get up. They're so stressed. They're so tired from the trip that they've made by road already. And yeah, they will then probably inject them, prod them or whatever and to make them walk onto the ship. Now, if you saw last week, no, not last week, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, the NSPCA inspectors were on the ship that's actually in the harbor, coming to the harbor this afternoon. And um, they had to euthanize one of the animals because she broke her leg. Oh, my word. So, you know, this is the kind of thing that we're looking at. Why is this necessary? Yeah. Mm. Why? And, I mean, how long was that leg broken before yes, they realized? Exactly. They found it and exactly. the pain and the suffering. It just, it, it almost brings me to tears, yes. Marachta. Yes. What yeah. human beings subject animals to. Yeah. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Since mm. when? How are we raised, you know, mm. to think that we have... Uh, Dominion over animals to yeah. me means mm-hmm. that dominion means to care for them and treasure yeah, them. It's a responsibility. Not them. Yeah. yeah, not Absolutely. use them and torture them. You see, the problem is, and I think this is something that Ainsley addressed in the um, in the interview with you previously, that she said animals are commodities; they're products. Mm. So it's mm. a it's some it's a thing. You it's know, it's seen as an object. Yeah, it's it's like the same as you sell a caravan or you sell a sure. car or whatever. Sure. So we'll just sell, you know, these cattle. Mm. Forgetting, of course, that number one, they are sentient beings. Mm -hmm. Sentient being meaning that you can feel fear and pain. But that doesn't even come, you know, we don't even think about that kind of thing. Um, This is meat. This is a way we can make money. So let's go for it. And then we put um, money over the welfare of animals. We really don't Mm -hmm. care about the welfare of animals. For example, if you look at the, um, the live export specifically, the farmer is paid for the number or the weight of the animals that go onto the ship. So before the ship leaves, he has been paid already. So then he doesn't he care doesn't what happens care. after that. No, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We've also heard that they will load more animals than what they say on the, um, you know, on the forms or right, whatever that, are, right. that go with them. So that if animals die mm. on the, on the journey, it's not which a they, problem. No, they yeah. just chuck them overboard right. anyway. And then they get that side and then there will be the same number of animals mm. that are offloaded mm. that side as were loaded this side. So we have no, we don't really know, we don't have percentages of how no. many animals die on these absolutely terrible journeys because we can't rely on reports coming no. from the ship's captain and no, the export yeah. company and the import company. And, and so it's perfectly legal, isn't it? Oh, in absolutely. Terms of government, they can do it. Do you know, 
for us it's a really big battle because the Department of Agriculture, Forestry and Fisheries, that department is responsible for regulations for the welfare of animals. That is what they are supposed mm. to be doing. And there are no regulations governing the export of animals by sea. None. So basically, these guys can do whatever they want. Right, right. You know, in other words, once they're off our land, it's okay. Free fall. Yeah, mm. it's an absolute free fall. Mm. We've, you know, we've kind of taken them on in a way saying, but you know that in the country where these animals are going to, in that country, they're treated absolutely terribly. There are no welfare laws in those countries. Um, people treat them differently. So we know that by loading those animals onto a ship, we are sending them to an absolutely cruel To fate. hell. Yeah, we're sending them to what hell. What they'll say is, yeah, but those are not our animals. Those may be that happens to animals that come from Australia, but that does not happen to our animals. When what proof do we have that anything else happens, anything different to that happens to the animals that come from South Africa? And in the end, what does it matter? These are animals. These are sentient beings. It doesn't mm. matter where they come mm. from. This is where they're going to. Mm. I can just imagine that trip, that journey coming from the it's truck for four days, being low, forced to walk onto the ship, mm. then being locked up again. I would exactly. imagine no food, no water. I don't know. And I think because animals have no voice People don't think that they feel yeah. pain, emotion, exactly. sadness, depression, and they do. They, they do. Absolutely, and, and it's time people actually realise that. Yeah, it really is time. So, Smarachta, what what, are you, what is ban animal trading trying to do? Educate the public. Mm. Are you are you going to get involved with government and try and make? Uh, I don't know. Try and get them to change their ways. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Um, the problem for us is that we can't really rely on the courts. You know, courts are not mm. there to change legislation no, in sure. a way so we, or make legislation. So we can't rely on the courts. And our campaign really is to get the public aware of what is happening. And that th this is not just some terrible industry that happens in countries far away. It's happening right under mm. our noses. Mm. So we want the country, the people in this country to be aware of what is happening. We want a groundswell because once everybody knows what's going on and there's huge opposition to this, then the government has to listen. They have to sit up and they have to make the regulations. So this is basically the start of our campaign. We've asked people to write to um, Dr. Sangabi, who's the uh, I don't remember exactly his title, but he's one of the big bosses at um, the department, at DAF um, you know, to say to him that we want this banned. Um, there's no point in putting in regulations because that's going to take another how many years. It needs to be banned until you can get your story together. Yes. Um, so this is the beginning and we're asking people to please join our page to see for updates what's happening. We're having a protest tomorrow in East London ah. um, to highlight, you know, what is going on. Are these where the ships are, are setting sail from, East London? Yes, they come, okay. they go only from East London at yes. the moment. We don't know that they're going to change har harbors or whatever, right. but they have the facilities at East London Harbor. They have the facilities at the moment. Um, and so the animals are loaded there and then they are taken to Mauritius and, um, yeah, we have to make sure that the one that happens to Indonesia does not actually happen at all. Mm. There was a, a newspaper article yesterday that came out saying that Indonesia had uh, reduced their exports or their imports, sorry, from Australia with 80%. Mm. So why now? Because Does that it's coming mean, from us is now. it going to come from mm. us? I mean, this is speculation. We don't really know. Yes. But I just have this funny feeling that maybe they have a better deal with us. A better, mm. a better deal. And make so more they money. can, they can make more money. Yes. Also for Mauritius, um, you know, if you look at the population, the Muslim population in Mauritius is very small. It's something like 17%. Mm. 
Um, we export thousands of animals every year to Mauritius. If you look at the abattoirs um, numbers, because they do give out numbers, if you look at the numbers that were released last year, the abattoir in Mauritius, and there's only one state abattoir, mm-hmm. um, slaughtered something like they call them heads of cattle, slaughtered something like 130 heads of cattle that came from South Africa. Where did the other thousands go? 130. Where did the other, th- other thousands go? Where were they slaughtered? Yes. Um, you know, these. That doesn't just, sound right. No, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> no. that something is off here. Um, we can't rely on getting exact information. So it means we'll have to start doing our own investigations yes. to find and out what's going on. Until such time as these people will give us what we need. We've actually got somebody, uh, Andy Smith, who's just sent in a message on, on WeChat saying, is there no way for somebody to go and see um, on these ships or to monitor these animals on the journey, even to reinforce the areas where animals are kept on the ship. Well, that is what you're trying to do, isn't it? Um, the NSPCA has got their inspectors, all the NSPCA, well, not all of them, but inspectors from the NSPCA monitor the loading of the animals onto the ship. They are not allowed to get onto the ship. They no. need to get a warrant from the magistrates yes. to actually go onto the ship. So, first of all, you have to ask yourself why. Mm. Why? What are they hiding on that ship? What are they hiding on the ship? The last time, the uh, export before this one, the ammonia levels on the lower decks went were way above dangerous. But they couldn't stop the ship. They couldn't stop the no. ship from leaving. So we have to ask, why won't they allow a vet? Why won't they allow inspectors from mm. a welfare organization to go with these animals on a trip? Because yes. obviously they're hiding There's things. something going yeah. on. And yeah. I guess once they've left our harbor, that's it. We have no further say in it. Yes. Also, I just want to mention that um, in Australia, the politicians are obviously also um, the, they're opposed to you know mm. live exports because right. this is where we look at because they're the biggest country that they're doing such a lot of exports. So we talk, take our cues from them. But they've also asked the politicians have asked to travel on these ships and they've been denied. They won't. Mm. Nobody will ever let them on. They won't let the vets on. They won't let the um, inspectors on. Why not? No, there's something going on. And, you know, Smrucht, I was thinking the other day, I'm vegetarian. I I can't dictate to other people what to do. I, You know, people will always eat meat. But Mm. I think, please ensure that the meat that you're eating, if you have to do it for Mm. whatever reason, comes from a protected source, free range, where these animals have good lives that they – I don't know if that's possible, Smrucht. Is there – can you eat meat – and not be, uh, you know, participating in yes. animal cruelty. Yes. That is the big question. It's very difficult. It's not a difficult question to answer, mm. but I think the answer comes across as being judgmental, which is not yes. really. That's why it's difficult for me to yeah. formulate that question yes, because, yes. you know, you can say to people, don't eat meat, but they will always do it. Mm. You know, uh, Obviously, being an animal rights mm. activist, um, I don't believe in ban animal trading, does not believe we have a vegan philosophy. So we don't believe that animals are ours to eat or wear mm. or exploit mm. in any way. And, yes, we have the idea that free-range animals live oh, happy lives. Yes. But what does that free-range mean? Does it mean that they have maybe 20 centimeters more to move? Mm. Does it mean that... Um, they are slaughtered and in a different to die. Yes, <laughs> in, a sl- in a different abattoir. But when it comes to live exports specifically, if we look at what's happening in South Africa, there are certain individuals only 
who are benefiting from this. This is not making our economy grow in any way. Our um, argument has always been, although we are opposed to the slaughter of animals, that let's kill the animals here in South Africa where our NSPCA can actually can go and check eye. what is going right. on in the abattoirs. And then export the meat. And then export yeah. the meat. That means also that we'll be creating jobs for people mm-hmm. in South Africa sure. at these abattoirs, but they won't listen. They won't listen oh, because it hurts their why wouldn't pockets. they want to do that? Because then they would have to keep the meat frozen, which I suppose is more expensive than transporting a live animal. Is that the reason? I think that's the reason because with cold chain, you know, everything that goes with the cold chain, it's probably really expensive. Mm. And you also need to remember that exporting to another country, uh, Mauritius or Indonesia or whatever, human rights are not what they should be no. there either. So, so those people, animal rights. Yeah. Yeah. So those people are paid very little. Um, and we've heard these stories, and I don't know whether that's true, but we've heard these stories that, for example, animals go from America, so chickens, take chickens. Hmm. Chickens go from America to China where they slaughtered and then they take and exported the meat is taken back to America because the labor is so much cheaper in China. Ah. You know, so that's the kind so of thing we need. Money, it's again. all about money. All about and we, money. Let's not care about the animals mm. because, you know, really, this is just a piece of meat on my plate. Who cares? Who cares? Smirachta, now what can the public do? How can they get involved? How can they help? Can they, you know, come to one of your demonstrations? Mm. I mean, how? what can we do? First of all, um, we like the, we'd like them to join our social media Facebook page, yes. which is called Ban Animal Trading South Africa. And on there, they will see the post, and we've asked them, number one, to obviously create awareness and share everything that they can. That's the first one. The second one, we've asked them to write, and we've given the email addresses of the government officials who they need to write to, um, demanding that this be banned. Um, if there's a demonstration, there is one tomorrow in East London, so anybody around there, please join us so that mm. we can get the word out. And as we go along and as our campaign develops, we will obviously let people know. Also, we have a huge billboard that's gone up, and it's the first billboard ever against um, uh, animal exports, live animal exports in um, East London that's gone up. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But these people seem to be ignoring it there mm-hmm. because obviously it's a little it's a touchy, touchy subject. subject. But yeah. it's still, it, it makes them think. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It's awareness is what yes. it's all about. Yes. And and if you didn't get all that, we were at Wodak this weekend. It's Friday, Saturday and Sunday, the Canine Zone magazine stand. We're also going to be handing out ban animal trading flyers, mm-hmm. uh, which will tell you what they do. They do amazing work. So please pop by our stand and, and come and pick up one of those flyers. And Smarach, Thank you for all you do. I mean, yes, I don't know no, how you do sure. it. We were chatting out the studio and saying, sometimes this whole animal rescue brings out such anger in you mm. that you have to live with every day and overcome it yeah. and realize that it's not about you, it's about the animals. Exactly. Mm. Yes, yeah. you have to. Thank you so much, Sharon, because being on a show like yours helps us to create mm. awareness mm. and we really appreciate this. Thank no, you. No, for sure. Smarta, thank you so very much again. Bless you for all you do. Right, now we're going to be back, Jonna. Our next guest is yes. going to talk to us about grieving when your beloved pet is yes, passed Yes, we're on. talking to Mary Beth Haynes, the mm. author of The Power of Pets, and we have booked this interview. Me and Sharon have been looking forward to this for weeks now. Right. And um, if I'm not mistaken, we have her on the line. So we'll just play a little sting and we'll be right back.
Okay, and we're back on Animal Central. Now, something that myself and Sharon have been looking forward to for weeks is chatting to Mary Beth Haynes, who joins us now on Skype from Canada. Uh, Mary Beth, are you there? I am. Hello, Jonathan. Hello, Sharon. Hello from Hi, Canada. Hi, Mary Beth. Yeah, thank you so much. It's so one. Okay, w- welcome to Animal Central. Thank you so much. I know it's very early for you there in Canada. Um, what, what time is it now? <laughs> Uh, we are looking at 5.40 a.m., but that's great. I've been up for a while. I've been listening to your program. Oh, good, it, good, Everything good. is wonderful. And mm-hmm. how's the summer in Canada? It is, and we finally got summer. We've had a very, very long winter here, and it actually took till about three weeks ago for summer to actually arrive. So summer's been late this year, but we're here. <laughs> as long as it shows up eventually. Now, Mary Beth, I, exactly. I was so excited to get you on the show today because, you know, I, I publish Canine Zone magazine, and we've got a Facebook page, and not a day goes by when one of our, I call them our canine zoners, one of their beloved pets don't pass, uh, uh, pass away, or as we sometimes say, cross the rainbow bridge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you never know what to say to these people because it does cause so much pain. This is a family member, a child. Mm-hmm. And, Mary Beth, that is what your book is all about, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The connection that we have with animals and our pets is, I think that for a lot of people, you would agree with me that it, it's, it's a way that can, can't really be explained um, in the way that they touch our lives and the gifts that we share. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, Mary Beth, something that really stuck out in the book for me is where you s- explain that their lives are physiologically going to be shorter than us. When you buy a pet, you have to realize mm. that you more than likely are going to outlive your pet, which is a tough thing to deal with. It's the only fault. And, and, and a good quote is, <laughs> says, love them like people, but respect them for the physiology that they have. So we have to remember that their time on earth is shorter, which I think is hard for us to deal with as humans. It is, you know, that quote came from, uh, with the, with the book that I, when I wrote it, I actually did a lot of interviews with experts and, and different people in the pet industry. And that quote specifically came from Jessica Danilin with Royal Canin. Um, she said it best and I really wanted to include it in the book because she's right. We, we love pets. We want them in our lives forever. They don't have the lifespan that, that we as humans do. And I think that it's really making the best that we can out of the time that we have together. And when we look back at what it is that we did and what happened that made us smile and what connections did we share together, that's what we can carry with us. Because when the time comes for them to pass away, and it's something that, you know, still to this day with the animals that I've had in my life, loss never goes away. But there are things that you can do to help yourself in healing so that it becomes not necessarily better, but perhaps easier to, to handle. Marybeth, in the book, it's, it's a very easy read and it's, it's actually a, a very short book. It, it doesn't drag on. It gets straight to the point and it deals with these issues. But in the book, uh, The Power of Pets, you give us seven effective tools, uh, to heal from the loss of a pet. Uh, would you just like to run through those and, uh, explain them a bit more? Absolutely, yes. And the book is short for a reason. It's it's a book, it's practical, it's a healing book. A lot of times we'll have a book that's very, very thick and we intend on reading it, but it stays on our bookshelf. Yeah. <laughs> this yes. book we... Mm-hmm. For as long so as you have pets, you'll need purposely. it. 
Mm. Yes, exactly, exactly. So the seven effective tools, the way that I bring the reader in, the way that I bring you in is, you know, if you were to envision a pathway and on this pathway, the pathway is made of cobblestone and you hear the birds singing and there's greenery around you and you're walking along the pathway to be able to get to these seven effective tools. But you find that when you get on this pathway a little bit further that you find that the path actually forks. But instead of choosing, do I go left? Do I go right? You realize that it actually forks in seven different directions. And these seven directions are uh, symbolic of these seven effective tools. And at that point, you may feel that you're at a crossroads. And that can happen when we're experiencing the loss of a pet because there's so many emotions that are happening. Do I? Which road do I take? Where do I go? Do I turn back and do nothing? And I invite you in the book to take the journey with me. And let's start with path number one, tool number one, because you'll see that there's a signpost on that path that says all paths lead to healing. So no matter where you go, if you are looking at healing, you'll get there. So the seven effective tools, the number one is recognition, recognizing that healing needs to take place. Um, it's a very, very simple tool, but one that we often forget and can make, uh, we as humans tend to make things a little difficult sometimes. Right. And, and uh, <laughs> so when grieving loss, recognition is the very first step. You know what? This is happening and I recognize that I need to heal. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so the second step is taking that a little bit further. So, you know, giving yourself permission. We live in a fast-paced society. We live in a society where there are societal stigmas, where some people understand and some people think you should be over it by now. It's just mm-hmm. a dog. Right. Yeah. And it's saying, you know what, I give myself permission to give myself the time and the energy and whatever is necessary for me to be able to heal. Because when I give myself that permission, I can allow this to happen regardless of what society is, is perhaps might be imposing on me at this time. Yes. And then moving forward to the third tool is about learning. A lot of times we have emotions and feelings and things that are happening that we don't fully understand. And so in this tool, I share, you know, what are the stages of grief? What are things that are going to be happening? Um, there's also tools of, uh, for coping and, and, uh, you know, the sudden loss of a pet. And in this area too, there's always guilt yes. regardless of what happened Did guilt is there enough? yes exactly yes yes uh, mm-hmm. the and next- so some ways to be able to support that the next step really hit home with me and that was personal empowerment and uh, mm-hmm. just two points that stood out there was the law of polarity and the law of germination for me uh, would you care to just explain how that relates to this topic Absolutely. So personal empowerment is, is, you know, healing from within, bringing that personal component in that can empower you forward. And my mentor actually shared these two laws with me. And I just thought they just resonated with me so strongly when it comes to healing from loss of our, of our loving pets. And the first one's law of polarity. And what it states is that there's two sides to everything with the exception of gravity. Gravity only goes down. Mm-hmm. Gravity never goes up. Mm-hmm. But with everything else, there's two sides. So if there is a circumstance in life, there's always an opposite. And every situation can be seen in two ways. So if something is very bad, it can be also very good. And so if we were to look at how, if I were to kind of explain that in my words and how I explain it in the book, is that losing your pet 
can be devastating. And the feelings and the emotions of working through each stage of healing and grief can really be challenging. And so when we look at the law of polarity and we look at how that can help us in the area of personal empowerment in healing, we can be reminded that when there's sadness, there can be happiness. Yes. And when there's depression, there can be vitality. And when there's loneliness, there can be connection. And it's when we grasp that fact and when we understand that that light of the tunnel uh it can become a bit more visible then, a bit more brighter and a bit more within arm's reach. And right. that is empowering. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, let us move on to step number five, uh, receiving guidance. Receiving guidance is a great tool in the fact of, you know what, this is great. I've given myself permission and I understand what's happening, but what do I do? Mm-hmm. What, what are some mm-hmm. things that I can actually do? And uh, so this tool actually provides practical things, whether perhaps you might want to um, connect yourself with people that really support you. Mm-hmm. You know, I have the Power of Pets movement on Facebook. Um, we have a global community of pet lovers all around the world who come together to celebrate our pets. And when our pets have passed, we stand beside each other and unite together unconditionally, knowing that it is a safe space for healing. So there's a lot of great resources out there. Um, and it's really important to connect to that. And there are some other things that you can do, you know, such as uh, journaling or, or creating a book of memories or giving back. You know, what would yes. your pet, if your pet could speak, what would he or she say to you? You know, what did, what did they love to do? Did they, you know, did he love to go walk along the beach? And if he did, maybe you could bring some tennis balls and give them out to the other dogs along the beach in honor of your pet. Right, right. You know, Mm-hmm. Making making uh, a tribute and an honor to to him or her uh, to celebrate them and the many gifts that that they share. Yes. Well, a good point, uh, Nancy Graham. I think in the book she said how she copes is she says, "What did your pet teach you?" Mm-hmm. So the example in the book is if your pet was patient. Honor your pets by being more patient yes. in your daily life. Yes. If your pet was always about fun, love, and loving everyone, honor your pet by being more, more like, like that, that and yes. learn something from yeah. your pets, which which really stuck with me. Um, let, let's go on to the next step, which I think is hard for all of us, is taking action. Yes, absolutely. You know, taking action, as you said, it's a very hard step. It is the most important tool in this book. All the tools are important, but if you do them all, however, you don't do the action step, then it won't happen. Healing will not move forward. There has to be that step of action. And the way that I share with you in the book about that is that it's... It's more like being connected to taking responsibility and being proactive in your own healing. And when you actually, you know, become empowered, and that's why I, I put taking action in this, this, um, not tool number six, because if I said it at the beginning, you know, mm. we, we need to build up to that. We yes. need to become comfortable. And uh, when you get to that part of taking action, it's a significant step and you will find that even if it's a baby step, it doesn't mean you have to go leaps and bounds. It's just taking responsibility and saying, you know what, I don't know how I'm going to do this because I'm having a really hard time here, but I'm open to at least taking a step and that will bring you forward. I think a lot of time pet owners deal with a lot of guilt when their mm, pets absolutely. maybe get sick. And I know something which I've dealt with in my own life is 
a pet running away and you feel responsible. You feel if only I'd been home at that time, if I hadn't done this, if I hadn't mm. done this, I would still have my pet with me. And I think it's very different when, when your pet passes away, you know, it's final, you know yes. where your pet is in a way. But when an animal runs away, you don't know. Mm. Are they alive? Are they dead? Are they eating? Mm-hmm. Are they drinking? Yes. How, how, what advice would you have for that, Mary Beth? You know, it's interesting. My, uh, I, I'm actually writing a book on, on being able to support a missing pet. Um, and I'm really glad that you brought that up because right now, guilt is going to be a huge part of that. And what I like to do is I like to remind people to go back to what your intention is and what your intention always was. So for example, if, if you opened the door and, and the pet, um, ran away and you don't know where that pet is there are there are first of all active things that you can do to physically look right. for your pet Absolutely. there are message boards there yeah. are ways you know mm. humane societies get that system of support in there to search for your pet if you find though that your pet is just not returning and you're you're really not sure where or what's happening go back to intention what was your intention at that time that your pet went missing. And I think you'll answer that your intention was always of love and care for your pet. You no. never, ever did anything on purpose. Right, absolutely. And, mm-hmm. and when, now it doesn't take it away and it doesn't make it better, but it can empower you forward in the next steps that you can take to be able to, to kind of take this journey forward and, and heal from that. Um, yes, the, the, my, my book that's coming out is actually going to, to give some great tools and some great ways and strategies and, and step-by-step things that you can do. But guilt is an absolutely huge part of it. Um, but always go back to that intention and always go back to the love that you have for your pet. Mm. And where you were at that time. Now, a, a good friend of mine actually lost her old Rottweiler this week. Um, Mishka passed away. And she said to me, she doesn't know what to do. She's feeling the grief. She's feeling the loss so much. And mm-hmm. I said to her, maybe one of the things would be to honor Mishka by going to a humane society, to a shelter and a fostering or adopting another dog. Do you think mm-hmm. that is a good idea, Mary Beth? Or should you give yourself time first to grieve you know the doggy that's mm. passed away before you get a new dog mm. I think that always giving back to another animal in memory of your pet can be a great way to heal. Not only are you helping yourself, you're helping another animal in need. Now, in saying that, I think that it's really important because we are all unique. And what might be best for me might not be best for you. Yes. And sometimes when people uh, lose a pet and then they immediately go out and get another pet or they foster another pet, they end up replacing what their pet uh, what the, what that pet held for them. Yes. And they're not giving themselves the opportunity to heal because a new pet has replaced that old pet. And if that's the case, then, and again, it's, it's always individual basis, but if that's the case, it might be good to give yourself time for healing. Mm-hmm. For other people, however, they are okay. They know that this new pet that's coming into their lives is different. They're not comparing it to their pet that is passed, and they're still honoring that space for healing. And if that's the case, then getting a new pet can be a wonderful mm-hmm. way to heal. Mm-hmm. See, that's always worked for me when my doggies have passed on. I've always mm-hmm. felt to bring a new dog in brings mm-hmm. new life and you honoring that pet. But as you yes. say, it's up to the individual. I think it's important that there's no judgments. I mean, if that's your healing process, 
Yes. Then go for it. Mm. If you feel you're ready exactly. for a new pet and to give love to that pet unconditionally, then I think it's it's great to go for it. If you feel you need a couple of years mm. just to grieve that loss and and go through those emotions, then I think that's the way to go. But uh, Mary Beth, just before we run out of time, we have one more tool left, and that is gifts of many. Mm-hmm. This is my absolute favorite tool. And what this gift is all about is realizing the gifts that we have during our time together with our pets. And something that's very empowering about that is when we are focusing on the loss of our pet, our pet is no longer here and we're missing them dearly. Let's go back to when we were together. Let's remember the things they did to make us smile. Let's remember when we would walk in the door after a really hard day, they were there for us. And when we remember these things and identify them positively as gifts, we can take them and move them with us forward in healing. It's almost like we've been building a toolkit, you know, through all of these tools. And we've been adding in these different tools. And this last tool is anytime you need to reconnect with your pet, you can. And you can through those gifts that are in that specially reserved place in your heart. Mm -hmm. Even though our pets are no longer here, it's the connection that still remains. Mm. Our time together is now part of recorded history and that's something that never, ever can be taken no, away. Never, Let's embrace ever. that. Never, ever. That's absolutely mm. beautiful, Mary yeah, Beth. Mary Beth, your book has really it, mm. it brought home that this is a normal thing to feel and I think sometimes as humans we uh, we tend to lie to ourselves and say, it was just a dog. Yes. Why am I feeling like mm. this? I didn't <laughs> lose one of my children, but you actually did. Well, it and is. It's a family member. Allow yourself to feel those you feelings. Um, yeah. Mary Beth, I know that you're giving away free copies of your book for a certain period of time on your website. Why don't you just tell us more about that? Absolutely. So right now, if anybody would like a free downloadable copy of the book, they can go to powerofpets365.com and then there's a blue box right on the page. And what we'll do is I'll send one to you immediately after that. And I also can keep in touch with you and see how you're doing if you'd like as well. Uh, my publisher has agreed to do this and we've been doing it for a little while and we're going to be doing it for a little bit longer. And I'm so glad that I had the opportunity to share this with everybody here today um, and they're welcome to a copy it would be an honor to That's share one wonderful with them. that yeah. is going to help Fantastic. so many people yeah. uh, Mary Beth I mean I, I'm also if you don't mind I'll put it on our Facebook wall as well mm-hmm. uh, because I'm, I'm sure you know people as Jonathan was saying they don't get the same support if yeah. you go into the office or whatever and you say your your mother has passed yeah. people do give you a lot more support and what? compassion yeah. than if you come in and say your, your hamster has passed yeah. your dog imagine has passed. Yes. trying to take yes. compassionate leave for your dog I mean, right. people will laugh at you. No, they would. But uh, Mary Beth, we literally have a few seconds left. I just want to say thank you for joining us, um, for waking up so early to chat to us. And I'm sure we will be in touch soon. <laughs> thank you so much, Mary thank Beth. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks. Cheers. Bye. Oh, okay. that's the show. Sharon, Jam-packed. just before we run out of time, uh, Wodak this weekend. Wodak this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Please mm-hmm. come say hi. We in stand two and three. And Jono yes. is taking part on Sunday morning in the Celebrity Dog Challenge. Cool. Correct. Jono, uh, Casper de Fris, and, and Damon, Damon Calvary. Calvary. So come and see these guys run around the, the track, a field, whatever you call it, with their agility dogs. All the proceeds are going back to, to shelters. It's going to be so much fun. So please come say hi. And we're back next we'll week. We'll be back next week with more news. And as usual, give all your pets big hugs from us. Bye.